0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Still having a look, it slightly favors The right footer here, but Griffith, having got the goal, goes again.
2: Saved it in. Barry face again. <laughs>
0: number 10 side the Euro 2020 semi-finalists
1: by a goal to nil, going into its dying embers here not just of this match but this group as McGregor pops it forward to McGinn now it's Armstrong
0: Adams check this one Adams might get onto this he's in behind the
2: speak from the heart. (laughs) Maybe I'll just use that as the the start instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the consensus on Twitter seems to be that it's the best Scotland performance for at least a decade. Scotland 2, Denmark 0, quite an incredible display at hand and especially in the first half, two cracking goals, a well-worked set piece finished off by John Suter and then time stood still for Shea Adams to run through and bury that one, which he did with just the utmost composure. Like I, Andy Barge, I wasn't there. I was working last night down in London I'm currently in a car park in Watford at (laughs) 6.48am with my laptop in my car. To do this podcast um, with Ben Ramage and Gordon Shear, who thankfully were at the game, so they can explain just what happened and just how it felt at Hamden last night and Take us through proceedings, God, and we'll come to you first. The seeding has been secured with the win. It was an incredible win. And looking at the seeding list now with Portugal, Italy and Russia all there, how important was that?
1: Oh, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. I mean, I obviously... I've been doing my best over recent days and weeks to really hammer home just how big a historical achievement it is for us to get to the playoffs in the first place. So, you know, Friday night against Moldova, that was a big achievement for us to get to the playoffs. And over the weekend, and look, I I was as guilty as anyone of this. I feel like there's a lot of Scotland fans that went straight on to thinking, right, how can we get seeded? We've got to do this and get this result and get that result and goal difference and blah, blah, blah. And I almost worried that we were setting ourselves up to be disappointed by getting in the playoffs. And back in March, when we discussed what this group would look like, no one was talking about seeded or unseeded in the playoffs. You were just thinking, finish second, get in the playoffs, you know. And the whole seeding debate it would almost seem like kind of, you know, my brand new toy is not shiny enough, you know. But having said that, I'm still absolutely delighted that we did the job last night. We keep that positive m- momentum going all the way through till March. And when you do see some of the teams that have dropped into the playoffs, surprisingly, Portugal and Italy, we now can't play them in the semi-final and we get another game at Hamden. And frankly, when you look at how we played at Hamden last night with that crowd in this team, in this system, no one will want to come to Hamden to play us. So, yeah, all positive, all positive.
2: Ben, you must be similarly happy after last night's game, especially with your hero John Suter getting the first goal.
0: Yeah, that couldn't have gone much better, to be honest. By um, looking at it, the whole performance, I've, I don't think I felt as comfortable watching Scotland at Hampden for years, and it, you almost forgot that you were playing a team that had gone unbeaten the entire group stage. I mean, I know they there was missing a few key players, but you just can't take anything away from that performance. It was absolutely sublime. And the, the midfield just absolutely dominated. Che Adams was incredible up front. The defence was solid. And then, yep, Suto was the hero, which, as everybody has said, you know, even um, Andy Robertson, I think, summed up really well, you know, just how how hard it was for him to come through all those years of rehab, for, for him to have that moment running into the Hampton crowd must have just been, you know, undescribable for himself. And uh, oh, it was beautiful. And just... Yeah, everything about that performance was just so classy so comfortable Um, it was it was brilliant I mean it just it just gives you so much hope going into these playoffs especially with that home tie in the semi-final I mean I would I'd fancy us against so many teams now um, with the players that we've got.
2: Well this is what the situation is with the seedings just for anyone who's still catching up or maybe waking up a tad rough this morning. So, seeded Portugal, Italy, Russia, Scotland. Definite, 100%. Unseeded, definitely North Macedonia and Austria. So, we could get either of them at Hamden. And it's still to be decided on what happens with um, the other spots, which includes Czech Republic, Wales, Poland. They let themselves down, I think, against Hungary this week. Sweden as well. And their loss against Georgia coming back to beat them. Where have we seen that before? Um so there are certainly reasons to be positive um going into the, the playoffs. Of course, there's always the chance that Italy could lie and wait for the final, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to or Portugal, Russia as well, even. And you know, who knows we might even we might even get the um the home the home the the final at home as well because it's a, it's a random draw, isn't yep. it? So yeah it is, yeah. Yep. Toss of a coin. Yeah. Um right. Well we put the we we, we only sadly have around 40 minutes or so so we put the call out on twitter for what people's talking points were what people wanted to hear um and we'll just get straight into it um ian thompson straight away um he's (laughs) in his 30s Uh, i'm 36 (laughs) he says i'm 36 and saying that this is the best scotland team of our generation um is he accurate with that gordon
1: I think he is, absolutely. I mean, I am also in my 30s, early 30s, I should say. Um It is a fact, you know, you can't d- dispute that. Um, And I would say, you know, look at, looking back on my time as a Scotland fan, I mean, obviously we've had good times, you know, Walter Smith's team had some good results, Alex McLeish's team had some good results, Gordon Strachan's team would play some swashbuckling football from time to time, but I don't know that I've ever seen a Scotland team play with this level of composure, confidence, competence I mean the amount of times I've been a Scotland fan at Hamden watching our team pass it between our defense and my heart has been stopping in my chest because <laughs> you're so anxious about our team being on the ball and you look at that team last night and the way that they were able to play themselves out of difficult spaces was unbelievably impressive so no panic just calm confidence um so yes I, I absolutely would completely agree this is the best Scotland team of our generation.
2: There were a couple of exhibits of that, Ben. There was one that sticks out in particular where there was four or five intricate passes down in the bottom inside right channel before it was put long for Robertson who cushioned it into the path of Adams and he couldn't quite get shot away or the pass back to Robertson in time. But that that was one of those moments where when it happens, you sit back and course, I just watched it, of course, in the hotel room on a tiny four-inch screen. But when it happens, you sort of sit back and you just kind of go... <laughs> <laughs> At what you've just witnessed there, that, that one-touch passing down in the corner, and that wasn't the only time. The, the transition from defence to midfield last night was really good. We beat Denmark's press pretty well. There was composure in the movement and the one-touch passing, loads of triangles, which obviously, a, as we've seen with Spain and, and stuff in the past, is a very nice, attractive way to watch football. So, yeah, um, the, the players seem to really be clicking uh, a gear this season.
0: Yeah, that, that moment that you mentioned, the boy next to me was like, oh, it's like, this is a bit like watching Brazil, isn't it? And it was like, that was honestly, you know, just incredible movement and passing. And I think Gordon summed it up quite well in that it's the composure, because what what was really making a difference last night was when one of our defenders was getting the ball, which was like was mostly sort of Tierney, suitor, They weren't panicking. They weren't thinking, right, I've got to get this ball away. I'm going to go long. They would take a touch, even with a Denmark player, come and press him right onto them. They would still take a touch. They would wait and see where he was going. And then it would open up a space and then a midfielder would come short and get it. It was just it was so simple. But just the difference now is that we have those quality players that are really happy to get the ball, even under a bit of pressure. And they're happy to take that pressure, find a gap and use it which meant that we just controlled the game. And that was the thing that just impressed me so much was how we controlled that game against such a really brilliant team. We just dominated it. And I had I think Che Adams as well needs a massive mention because he held the ball up so well. I didn't realize that he could hold the ball up so well. And I think we might come on to it. There was a point about whether he should be starting ahead of Dykes now if we just play with one striker. And I think there's an argument for that, for how well he has played, because I thought he was incredible last night.
2: Yeah, absolutely tremendous performance up there on his own. Well supported um, by Christine and Armstrong and McGinn as well. It really did look good. That, that You're right, Ben, that there are plenty of people in the comments asking about if the 3-4-3 three, three with two wide men is better than the three, um, I suppose, 5-2 it would be. Um, so this is Ross Hamilton. Is this the first time the 3-4-3 three, three has been really effective and should we stick to it rather than the Dykes-Adams combo? There's a few others as well. I'm scrolling down trying to find it as well. But the similar point was made by other people. Gordon Dykes is, was the hero um, of four games in a row, clinched some vital points in this winning run. Is it inconceivable that he is not a nailed-on starter for Scotland?
1: I think... People in the comments are probably right. I think I think this week is the first time that I've really felt like that variation on our system in terms of playing one central striker and two defenders off has really worked. I thought it worked quite well in Moldova as well. I thought we really dominated that game and created a lot of chances. And similarly last night as well, it was fantastic. I, I do still think, though, that our, our best football and our best attacking football can come when we're playing with the two strikers, when we are playing with... Dykes and adams i mean i thought adams was phenomenal last night i thought he could have been man of the match i thought there was many men of the match um but the only thing is that a lot of times when we were going long last night you were relying on adams to sort of bring the ball in on his chest or with his feet rather than going up for it in the air we didn't have many players you know McGinn, christie adams they're not going to win many balls in the air so at least Dykes does give you that option that can drag you up the pitch. And look, I I thought it worked phenomenally well last night, but I do still think that Dykes and Adams together as a pairing can still be probably our most effective combination.
2: Ben, Grant Jendo, reliable contributor in the comments as well, saying, surely doubts about one striker um, or a front three like we had in the first half and the start of the second can now be put to bed and we don't need an uh, air quotes, we don't need to play two up top now. Um, he does also say that it looks like Scotland switched their shape several times um, throughout the game. I suppose you need a, a keen eye maybe to notice that sort of thing sometimes. But, um, yeah, Grant certainly saying that the two up top isn't absolutely vital to Scotland's success.
0: Yeah, to be honest, it's probably good to have both options because you don't want to become predictable and if you always play the same way it's very easy for the opposition team to scout you and to know exactly what you're going to do. So, I think it works well having both options. I, th- I think it'd be very hard to to leave Dykes out of the picture now, given how much he's done. He couldn't have done much more before he was suspended. Um, and I, I think I think the difference is now that Adams has really grown into the shirt. I thought I thought he looked promising to begin with, but that's the best I've seen him play over this international period. And I think him and Dykes, if they're both firing, we could actually have a really like scary front line, which, which we really haven't had for a long time. But you would not want to play that that, that front two, you know. There, between them, they've got so much quality in different areas that that would be a really difficult front two to defend against. So, I I would still say that I would probably stick with the two.
1: We just can we can, can we can we just give a little shout out though to I mean the way Shea Adams took his goal, and I mean I I I, I see a lot I see a lot of people on social media that always want to only judge Shea Adams on how many goals he scores so that is why I'm particularly delighted he scored on Friday he scored last night but he does give so 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 much to the team beyond that in terms of his hold-up play his link-up play his technique which is just unbelievably good but yeah the goal he scored I mean the way that Armstrong slipped him in and then the way that he's so clever just to run across the defender that's trying to cover because he knows that if he clips him from behind or pulls him that's a red card straight away and then just the little look that he gives to Schmeichel to see where the keeper is, see where the goal is, and just opens up his body. And it's just such a such a good finish. And Andy, I think you said on Twitter last night, it's one of those goals that you feel like you could watch again and again and again. And I, I couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah, I have done already. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the reaction from McCoy as well. I know that, I'll say, I say was working in, as a commentator, I kind of keep a an open ear to this sort of thing. And I've always felt that, Partisan commentators have to tread a line very carefully, but McCoist does it like The, the it. best tightrope walker in the world. It's it's uh, it's incredible. Um but on that on that goal, I actually think you could probably draw comparisons with Shea Adams' goal and McFadden's against Ukraine back in 07, where it, Scotland had played really well throughout the game, but that just released all the tension when the opposition yeah. were maybe threatening to unsettle yeah. us and, and get back into it. Um and it was a, you're right, it was a great goal and the composure. Was absolutely phenomenal. Big moment for Shea Adams as well, personally, because I know his goal against Moldova was, was important the other night and it sealed the win for us. But I think that is the, the it's the it's definitely the first big goal that he scored for Scotland, I would say. The one against Moldova, mm-hmm. um we were never losing that game. Where we Denmark might have come back into it last night. They did put the pressure on for 10-15 minutes or so. So he scored against the Faroes, I think the third or fourth at the start of the campaign, friendly against Luxembourg. Um, yeah. with the doubler against Moldova but last night that is that is a goal that people will always remember whereas if you were to ask people in future years, us maybe included, who scored Scotland's winner against Luxembourg in the friendlies for the Euros or who scored the third against the Faroes, you know these things don't really stand the test of time but that one will absolutely stand the test of time for Shea Adams and his Scotland career if it wasn't up and running before, well it is now. Um, yeah. there are, I think we need to give a word of compliment to the boys that were on yellows. Sadly, the slate isn't wiped clean, so McGinn, Robertson, Gilmore, uh, McTominay is included in that as well. Shea Adams, I think, is included in that as well. A few others, Nisbet, Sod. Their yellow cards remain, um, so if they are booked in the semi-final, they'd miss the final, but big relief, Gordon, that we have them available for the first semi-fitness
1: providing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if you were doing a little checklist last night before the game of what you wanted out of that game, you would have said, win the game, get seeded, positive performance, no bookings. And <laughs> we ticked every single box. Yeah, I, I frankly, I, I was amazed. I mean, obviously, a lot of the talk before the game was how this referee is apparently absolutely card happy. And he was fairly whistle happy. He was a bit of a stickler, you know, <laughs> for, for certain situations. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that we got out of that game clean is arguably the most pleasing aspect of it and probably could actually have the biggest impact on our potential success through the playoffs.
2: Yeah, Ben, these guys, they may well, one, one or two of them may well get booked in the semi, but I think we would much rather have them available for the semi to try and get
0: there to the final and then deal with that when we come to it. Yeah, 100%. I think, again, it was just a sort of professionalism and Clark spoke about it afterwards, you know, like luckily we didn't need to foul because we had so much of the ball. And it's true. You know, we just, the fact that we dominated so much meant that we weren't in those situations where you were maybe having to pull a Danish player back because they hardly got through us. You know, we, we, we showed them down the wings so well. And then when they got to the wings, they couldn't really get past us. It was just, it was brilliant. We really shut them out. But yeah, I mean, if you took a Robbo or a Gilmore out of that team for the semifinal, That would have just been an absolute killer blow. So, yeah, it's huge. And it also, if you look at last night, that was without Hanley, without Dykes. You know, this was this was without players that we've still got to come back. That are really big, important players. So, Patterson. That's yeah.
2: I was about I was about to move on to that exact point, guys, because a lot of the people in the comments are talking about the depth and asking who gets dropped from that team. Here here are a list of players that were missing last night's game for one reason or another. McTominay, Patterson, Hendry, Dykes, Hanley and Ryan Jack. So I think you've got at least four or five players there that before last night anyway, before this international break, most of us would have said they are in Scotland's best 11. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from here? And McTominay is the one that sticks out. A few people... Are uh, specifically mentioning him asking, how can you justify a start for Scott McTominay in the Scotland team at the moment, Gordon, or heading into March anyway?
1: Honestly, it, it's it's incredible to think now, isn't it, that we've got that absolute depth of talent. But you know that that is actually one of the most com- comforting things that we've, we've we've developed in this past year. The fact that you've got so many players that are so well versed in the system and how the, how we play and how they can play within it that. You can chop and change. I mean, the fact that last night that defense, you know, you know, three-fifths of that defense was not what you would call our normal back five. I mean, Cooper, Souter, and O'Donnell are not are not really generally our first choice players, the, but they the, were all fantastic.
2: The back five that ended the game was Ralston, McKenna, Cooper, Souter, and O'Donnell.
1: Mental. That's yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I I do feel like I need, I need to give a specific shout out though to, uh, to Liam Cooper because he has had to bide his time for opportunities because Hanley has been so good in that centre centre back position. And occasionally Cooper's had the opportunity to play in Tierney's position where, you know, he can't do what Tierney does and that's that's no slight on him whatsoever. He's a better defender than he is an attacker. Um. But I thought last night in that centre position, I mean, I thought Cooper was fantastic. I thought he won everything. His passing was great. And it's just incredible to think that if we do have players missing, you've got guys ready-made replacements that can slot straight in and you'll see no drop-off of of, of quality. And, you know, obviously we've got four months to the playoffs. Who knows who's going to be available? Who's going to pick up injuries? But now I think we can be confident that we'll put out a competitive team no matter what.
2: Is that the Liam Cooper? Ben that people have been waiting to see for Scotland because that very often you see um, comments regarding Grant Hanley's inclusion over him or McKenna's inclusion over him asking how the hell can the Leeds captain not find his way into the Scotland uh, team? Well, he was given the opportunity last night due to or this week due to Hanley's absence thrived, didn't he?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the best I've seen him playing a Scotland shirt. Um, he was phenomenal. And yeah, ex- exactly. As you say, maybe he felt a bit of pressure on being that sort of, oh, you're the English premier league guy, but you know, how brilliant are you show us? Um, and it hadn't really come through, but he read everything last night and it's great to have a proper, like a really solid backup for Hanley. Cause I still, I would still pick Hanley as like our first choice, but, you know, speaking about that depth and quality to have a Leeds captain on your bench to come on, you know, you might have a Man United star, in McTominay on the bench that can't get into the first team. When have we had that sort of strength and depth and quality of player uh, as a replacement, as, as a sub to come on and change a game? I can't remember it. So, you know, it's, it, it bodes so well for this semi-final.
2: A word on Stephen O'Donnell, I think, is worthy because Nathan Patterson has pretty much established himself as the first choice in the Scotland team at the moment, especially when the onus is on Scotland to to get a result. But Patterson's yellow card suspension last night meant Sod came back in, and he was his usual big game player, really for Scotland, which he's done time and time again. Uh, we have to record, sorry, we have to recognise that against Serbia last year, he was brilliant. He was brilliant in Vienna, in this campaign, he was brilliant against England at Wembley, and I, I don't actually recall him putting a, a foot wrong last night, Gordon. Okay, he could have maybe been caught out of position once. Or twice. I can't really remember any off the top of my head though. But another performance where the the whipping boy of the of the, the squad announcements, I would say, is has turned up and not let his country down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we we've we've spoken so many times about Stephen O'Donnell and just how how much we appreciate and respect what he does. He clearly loves playing for his country, he will give absolutely every ounce of himself for playing for Scotland and and i think that it epitomizes a character around this team that they will just run through brick walls for this squad and 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 again that 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 speaks to the positive atmosphere that's inside the dressing room that's outside the dressing room that's in the stands that these players now they're desperate to come and play for their country and they're clearly loving playing for their country and it's just so so positive to see the whole thing but yeah Stephen O'Donnell has been a wonderful servant to Scotland and obviously I feel like you know we're probably in the twilight of his international career but it feels good to be in that position because we know we've got Nathan Patterson, Anthony Ralston, we've got players that are ready to assume his responsibility but look they've got a lot to live up to absolutely.
2: And that midfield trifecta Ben's just solidifying itself even more John McGinn was absolutely wonderful again last night. And Billy Gilmore's partnership with Callum McGregor just seems to go from strength to strength with every game for Scotland.
0: Yeah, I mean, McGinn was taking the piss last last night at some points, You know, it was like he was playing fives. He was just strolling around people (laughs) like they weren't there. And this is an international game at Hamden against an unbeaten team. And he was honestly just strolling past people, his passing, everything about McGinn last night was just incredible. Um I think, you know, he's he still seems to be getting better and better. And he's he's already incredible. And yeah, McGregor just kept everything ticking. I think again just showed how important he is to that trio working. And Gilmore again just looks so confident for a young boy. You know, he was still taking people on, always trying to get forwards, keeping us moving forwards. That's just such a superb three. And that's why McTominay is going to struggle to get back in. And anyone else to be fair. But you look at Armstrong coming on. I think he made an impact as well. Um, there was quite a lot of chat about him sort of laying the, the demons to rest <laughs> on that break. What and you, actually, you, I think yeah, he, he did last actually last clear day? one. <laughs> 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 and he did actually clear one at the end. And uh, I saw a few people alluded to that. So yeah, our midfield is it's it's always been good, but I feel like now we're really talking like these are potentially world class players. Um, mm. I think McGinn think... can get can get to that level. I think in the past, we've always, midfield has always been our
1: strongest position, but we've always had a lot of options who are much of a muchness, and we've sort of struggled to find the right combination to find the best team. But now I think with that three, we've got that three that they work so well together that that's them. So even though, yes, we've got other guys like McTominay, like Armstrong, like Jack, who could be in and around it, I don't know how they displace this current three because they're so good together.
2: Maybe certain scenarios demand different pairings or a different um, attacker or two attacking midfielders like the box midfield like we have seen this week with Armstrong and or Christie alongside McGinn. It seems very, um, I'm not going to go telling Steve Clark what to do, but it would seem unwise to ditch the partnership that is building between Gilmore and McGregor. They just seem to complement each other so well. And if you could pick two players in the Scotland squad to stay composed
0: under a press or when you need to find the right pass, you would probably pick those two, Ben. Oh, 100%. I mean, Gilmore's reading of the game for his age is frightening. And I think when you look at how many years he's still got to develop, he again, you know, people talked about him being a potential superstar when he was growing up. Well, he is He is certainly on that path. Um, he couldn't have done much more at his age um, and I, th- I think the future is just so bright for him. And and McGregor, I don't know off the top of my head how old he is. Is he late he's, twenties? He's still yeah. got, yeah. So he's still got a bit to go. He's still got a couple of campaigns in him. And I think when you've seen him taken out of the team, you've seen us actually. That's when we have really struggled. I think he he does. He just keeps us ticking. He's like a he's like the engine, and he just you just can't really do without him. Um, so yeah, it's brilliant to have such a strong midfield partnership.
2: Another running theme in the comments uh, are the set pieces. Damon McLaughlin is one of them. Just wait till I scroll down a couple of more. Lachlan MacDonald, as well, and Matthew Dempsey, all saying that we should probably pay tribute to Austin McPhee. That's uh, another important goal that Scotland scored from a corner last night. Gordon delighted to see John Suttard get on the end of it. What a fairy tale uh, come back to the Scotland team for him. And of course, there was the big one that McTominay scored against Israel in the previous. International break too, um, yeah. It's good to see Scotland being a threat at set pieces because when you think outside the box and and come with a pre with a plan that you, you've worked on consistently in the build up to the game, obviously the likelihood is that you stand a higher chance of scoring or benefiting from it.
1: Yeah, of course, and and I think what what really impressed me last night was that not not only that we were asking questions from almost every set piece, we were asking different questions. So it did make it quite hard to to defend against because you know sometimes the ball was coming to the front post, sometimes it was coming to the back post. Sometimes, I mean, th- I mean, I think um, I think the referee let Casper uh, Schmeichel out of jail a couple of times with a couple of soft free kicks that were given away, which you know that's it's going to happen in, in international football, but. But we kept at it, we kept doing it, and you can absolutely see when you watch the replay of John Suter's goal, that that's exactly what the plan was, you know, and and it's always something in football that just kind of gives me the most pleasure, is when you can watch something happen from the stands, and you can see that that's exactly what they meant to happen. That's not just some fluke moment, or ball bobbled, or whatever, that that's what they worked on, you know, and that ball to the back post, Cooper drawing men to him, heading the ball back, and... What was also really impressive is that if that header back hadn't gone to John Suter, it would have gone to Shea Adams because he had peeled off his marker as well and was standing behind John Suter. So, yeah, it, really, really pleasing to see that that's clearly something they've worked on and and now we're seeing the, the the benefits of it.
2: Yeah, Ben, that's what Matthew Dempsey's saying, that Scotland seemed to be mixing up on corners now. We stuck right a few in on Schmeichel, forced them to deal with the delivery uh, a couple of times in a row before looping one right over his head that he couldn't reach and then see what the Denmark defence could do with it, which well, was nothing in the end, because Cooper got the knockdown, and Sutter was all on his own to stick it away.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant, and it's, it's something that really frustrates uh, a lot of people, that you know, you're in total control of a set piece, and there's just nothing more depressing than when it just gets dribbled to the front post and cleared, or if it's just ballooned over. It's something that you can control, and when you have McGinn on that set piece you know that he can pick someone out in the box so you shouldn't just be firing it in just and hoping for the best and it is clear that they we have a lot more variety now which makes it a lot harder to predict, uh, predict a lot harder to defend so yeah it's it's another op- it's another option of how to get through a team and in international football you often only need one or two goals so it's it's a great uh, weapon in the arsenal to have going forward
2: We'll we'll touch a bit on the seedings because it's important. The draw is at the end of this month. In fact, only 10 days away, so not long to wait. There's a great guy that you should all follow on Twitter, Dale Johnson, ESPN. He's all over this sort of stuff. Um, And for anyone that doesn't follow me, we we all learn a lot um, by seeing what he's got to say about international football. Um, But he basically is saying that Wales need to get at least a point at home to Belgium to be seeded in the playoffs. Um, They need a win to be sure, but a point should be enough. Uh, With a point, Turkey would have to finish second in Group G by winning with four goals in Montenegro. Um, And Montenegro have only conceded four goals at home. There's also a tricky game in that group as well, with Norway away to Holland, two points separate them. So if Turkey were to slip up, for example, uh, and Norway somehow beat Holland away from home, then Holland... (laughs) Uh, would go into the playoffs, uh, and Norway would be seeded. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a tricky time, but th- this is the great thing about the crunch time of international football, Gordon, when, when these fixtures roll around and so much changes. I mean, look what Serbia did against Portugal the other night. Mm-hmm. Switzerland managing to get through because Italy could only draw a blank against Northern Ireland. That's yeah, so lads- Obviously, some, some results, the true... David Goliath games, like with England beating San Marino 10-0 and all that last night. I don't care about them. I don't mean that. I mean the ones that, when it comes down to the crunch and there's so much to play for, who can hold their nerve? Well, Scotland did last night to get the seeding. Italy couldn't. Portugal couldn't. It's brilliant.
1: It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And and what, what is, what's whats what been so wonderful this past week is that so often we've seen Scotland teams go into the final two games needing to draw a royal flush and have other results go our way. So we need to win by two clear goals and have this team drop this and goal difference do this and that just for us to make the playoffs. So the fact that we could go into last night, having already got the playoffs ourselves, we took care of our own business and then to take care of our own business again, to realize that, you know, we don't need to be watching Wales against Belgium tonight because we don't care. We're already seeded. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, one 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 stat that I've just seen on Twitter from a guy called Kevin Robertson um, it blows me away. He says the only teams to beat Denmark over ninety minutes in the last five years are Belgium, Finland at the Euros in the Christian Eriksen game, and us. That's five I mean. years. Yep. Jeez, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Because obviously that... they lost in they lost in extra time against yeah. uh, England in the Euros.
2: That's that's incredible. I, th- wait, I I don't even know if it's worth really dwelling or recognising on the fact that it was. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't even say reserve Denmark team. They changed a few players, but, you yeah. know, so, so did we. We had some players out as well. Um, it was only five. Eich, Patterson. Yeah, so, I mean, it was still there a only five strong, the Denmark strong team. team to to us. Um, there were some big-name boys missing. I don't think Martin Brathwaite was playing, was he? Um, no,
1: no, and Dolberg. Hoiberg, Dahlberg. Hoy, Huyberg, Dahlberg.
2: Yeah, but they still they still had some great players. Uh, Skob Olsen scored a few goals for Denmark already. Brun Larsen got his first at the weekend. Um, yeah, so a strong, strong team that we... I'm not going to go as far as saying tore apart, but we certainly made our life a misery for, for 90 minutes. Um, we're, we've been asked on Twitter as well by John Bleasdale to, to try and narrow down our best players of the campaign to our top five. I don't think we've got enough time left on the call to do that, but who would your actual camp uh, player of the campaign be then, Ben? Um, I suppose the usual suspects would be McGinn uh, and Dykes. They are the two highest scorers for us in this group stage. That was with four goals. Gilmore has really... Oh, God, I, I was about to say emerged from the shadows but he's had a spotlight on him since he was 15. Um, but he's really come to the fore. Uh, Callum McGregor's made the jersey his own in central midfield as well. Uh, Grant Hanley scored a really important goal against Austria in the first game and has come back into the Scotland team like he was never away. Well, where do you begin?
0: it's It's a really, really tough call. I saw that one and I was like, that's uh, you could spend an hour just on that alone, and maybe we'll have to yeah. over the uh the, yeah. the course between now and March. but yeah, I think McGinn McGinn always jumps out at me just because he's just he just drives the team forward and he's he has come up with really important goals in this campaign as well. but then you look at Dykes getting those four goals in those four wins in a row. I mean, you looked at the last time that that happened for Scotland. Um, that winning run Dykes was was imperative to that with late goals so very very tricky Gilmore Gilmore's got the stardust I'm not I'm not sure he's done it over the the entire campaign Um, but yeah there's there's so many I think Tierney as well Tierney for me he his quality at the back allows us to be as good as we're being you know he always has the calmness and assuredness at the at the start of moves because he doesn't panic and his defending as well is just incredible. There, there's, there's cases to be made for so many players. My, my gut instinct would be McGinn.
2: What were the, the goals that Dykes scored, right? So he sealed the win at home to Moldova, sealed the win away to the Pharaohs, got a goal at home to Israel. That's the Wayne one that's missing? Austria penalty. Austria penalty, of course. So Dykes contributed towards 12 points, yeah, for Scotland. I mean, he was, he was vital during that run. I mean, we don't... Well, we we don't make the playoffs without never mind seeded, Gordon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 some sometimes you know, <laughs> as, as as much as we've got a team of technicians and artists and really creative players, sometimes you just need a really big lump that can karate kick the ball into the back <laughs> of the net, and sometimes that's what it takes. The sort of I think I described him after that Israel game as the like a human fist. And that's just what you need up front sometimes. Um yeah, he's been absolutely integral to the success of this team. But I think I, I took my, my my father-in-law to the game last night and, and I said to him that this Scotland team, I don't think that I don't think there's a star player in it, because I think they're all of similar star quality. I mean, nobody stands head and shoulders above anybody. I mean, Dykes, Adams, uh, Gilmore, uh, Tierney, Robertson, I mean they're all so, so, so good that, yeah, how how do you pick the best player out of that? But yeah, McGinn maybe has been the most eye-catching because just what he does, um, I know you mentioned it on the last pod, Andy, but the way that Craig Levine described him as a, as a gorilla protecting his young when he's shielding the ball. I mean, I, I, again, I, I said last night that McGinn is the kind of player that if you're an opposition player, he's just a shit to play against because everything he does must annoy you because he's nipping you, he's tackling you, he's harrying you. And then if he, when he's got the ball, you can't get it off him and he's rolled you and he's gone. And then he's got the ability to ping a cross-field pass or score a goal. I mean, yeah, he can do everything.
2: Well, we're going to have to end there, guys. Sadly, my laptop's running out of juice and I uh, don't have a charger in my car, so i need to run back up to the hotel room uh, and get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, can't wait to build up to the playoffs with you. Scotland, I've done it. We're seeded and we look forward to the draw at the end of this month cheers guys cheers cheers guys
1: sports social podcast network